Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a big 1-0 win against Everton at Goodison Park on Saturday. We're recording this a few hours post-match, so this is probably as close as you're going to get it from us unless it's like a midweek game or something like that and you hear it the next day. But some very happy, um, hopefully quick thoughts. I, I put hopefully in there because I do tend to uh, prolong these things by not shutting my mouth and spewing absolute garbage at times. But nonetheless, it's not just me here. We do have Simon O'Regan as well. So Simon, how's it going with you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, I think to give yourself some credit there, you, let's be honest, everyone <laughs> on this whole cast, we, we always say it's going to be a short one, but we uh, we tend to go off on different tangents like I've just done now. But uh, onto the, yeah, the game, very good way to start weekends, very very important win that I think so I'm a happy boy today yeah the only one here that I'll say spews absolute garbage is that Danny Raza but I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I do love Danny um, if Danny was on here it might be like two hours long if it's the three of us to be honest but uh, nonetheless we'll skip the WWE references for another podcast when he's back on but uh, before we do get um, cracking along here everybody if you can be so kind of course leave a positive view on Apple Podcasts, Spotify wherever you get your podcasts I just want to make more uh, habit of saying this earlier on so I don't forget it till the very end of course your support is very much appreciated and it just makes it easier for other people to find us but Simon let's let's get on with the uh, the first half of course it it was kind of for me it reminded me a lot of the Norwich game away at Carroll Road where I kind of felt like I didn't think we started badly, but I it was kind of those pre-game um, early moment jitters kind of for say where you're just waiting for that first goal to go in and then you kind of thought, ah, okay, we've got this. How do you feel about it though? Yeah, well, I think it was with, um, with Rafa being sacked obviously last weekend, I think it, it's made this game sort of more difficult than I think it, it would have been. Um, so you were kind of... I was expecting a real strong reaction from Everton. But to fair in the first half, I, I thought we did a really good job of sort of very early on asserting a bit of dominance and just completely tempering the crowd there at Goodison Park. Mm. And I thought, I, for me watching it, it, it felt like we were in complete control of that first half. But the one thing you would say was, I don't really remember us creating an awful lot of sort of clear-cut chances but I mean, I suppose you only need the one to go in <laughs> to, to win the game. But it, it's, it's it's something that I think is a real positive to build on. In that, since Gerard's come in, in in a lot of the games, we seem to have much better control of the games. The, the midfields seem a lot more comfortable with each other as each week goes by. So, yeah, from a first off point of view, I, I thought it was really, really good composed professional first half and then 
obviously getting the, the timing of that goal as well, right on the stroke of half time, was just uh, you know, it was the icing on the cake for, for that first forty five. Yeah, it's kind of one of those where you go into and you know with the jitters with Everton, everything going on, like you said, you don't really know what to expect. And to be honest, when I saw their lineup, I thought, okay, someone's actually using their brain and they're starting with Charleston and Calvert-Lewin, which to be fair to Calvert-Lewin, if he was probably in his prime form, could have tucked one or two away with a few chances that he had. So maybe we got a little fortunate there, but to be honest, it was just a gritty half. And it's kind of funny to see the likes of Coutinho and Buendia um, battle the likes of Decore and Gomez. It looks like uh, kind of the the Giants versus the little people, per se. And I like, I like to see that little bit of grit and knowing, okay, you know what? You might bulldoze me over, but I'm still going to go for this ball. And that's, that's kind of nice because of the same instance, I don't know how many times I can think over the last decade where we've had players that are even more kind of maybe – maybe physically adept to handle situations like that. And they're maybe double the size of someone like Emmy Wendy and they won't go in for challenges like that. So it's nice to see that we're getting more physical and we're really challenging for every ball. And like you said, with the goal as well, it's perfectly timed, but I do have to say that, that this really annoyed me and really has nothing to do with the, well, I guess it has something to do with the on pitch thing, but who throws bottles? Like, let's let's talk about that for a second, because I think uh, it has to be I, the, the fact that I don't know what commentary team you had, but the one I had, first of all, just completely ignored it. And then at, before they said um, before they went on to the halftime break, said something like, um, well, they should know that or Buendia should know he shouldn't celebrate in front of the was it the Gladys Street under or whatever it is, uh, because they could do that. I'm thinking, how the hell would he know that? Like he just scored a goal. He's going to be excited. I don't think that's a, a reason to one throw a bottle or to dismiss it. But what did you make of it? Yeah, well, the pub I was watching it in, it didn't have the commentary on, but obviously I looked afterwards and and heard that um, apparently in on BT Sport, I think the the commentators were saying that the players like have a responsibility not to celebrate in certain areas of the pitches. But surely the responsibility is on a grown adult not to behave like a fucking spoiled brat and throw a bottle <laughs> at, at a player. And like, I mean, it, yeah, there's, I mean, everyone surely in their right minds would, would sort of condemn it. And you know, it's, it's disgusting. And what, what is like mad as well was the Everton fans have spent the last couple of weeks being furious that uh, one of their best players in Luca Dina had been forced out of the club by a manager they all despised. And yet they're booing him and throwing bottles yeah. at him. It was like, uh, it's just, I, yeah, it was, it was just appalling. And like you say, who who throws a bottle? It's it's such such a cowardly thing to do. And he probably thought he was like a real big man doing it as well. And like you, you just so it's such a small minded uh, way to behave. And I'm just I'm so glad then that we we held out for the win and that. And, to be fair, me and my we were saying if we get a second goal, like if we scored in the second half, I'd have, I'd have been straight back to that yeah. corner to give it them more. So, uh, yeah, disgusting behavior, really. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, I get the frustrations, but like, for one, he left because let's be honest, Raph was basically, from the sounds of it, from everything I've heard, as being a massive dick. <laughs> like, let's, yeah. let's be blunt about it. And the two didn't really. Um, kind of couldn't really manage to, I guess, be in the same area at the same time or the same club at the same time, per se. It's, I just, I, I would get if you're more frustrated in the sense of like, look, we let one of our best players go. 
but to physically literally abuse him that's that's one extreme but nonetheless i honestly as soon as that happened i just wished we scored like three four five six seven or something like that but uh let's let's move on to the second half is just before we do let's take just a quick moment to appreciate what a header that was i mean the ball in superb which is what I think we all knew we were getting with Dean, the delivery, but how does the smallest player on the pitch leap so high? And it, it, what is just such a fantastic header? I mean, I, I, to be fair, from, from the start of the season, I would like to say that I've been one of these that has always sort of backed Brendan to come good. And when he was getting sort of slated earlier on, I, I would come on here and say, look, he's, he's been played out of position, give him a bit of time. And I'm so pleased to see... He's he's finally becoming the player I think we all were hoping that that we were signing in the summer and yeah, just a beautiful header. Well, it, it's kind of funny you say that too because I think it was in like the opening moments of the second half. Um, he blocked a uh, incoming. I don't know if it was a free kick or something like with that with his head. And I'm just thinking like the shortest man on the pitch has literally <laughs> done all the heading in this game so far. But again, it, it's positional awareness it's knowing where to be it's taking advantage of those moments of space like seeing him um guarding like me uh Yuri Mina is probably the one of the most terrifying things in the world but somehow it worked I don't know how um he got scratched by him too by the looks of it um but no it, it's being positionally aware it's taking your moments and I mean we've been saying this for several weeks now it feels like he's getting better with each and every game and I think Danny said in the group chat as well he's finally starting and I I don't know how you feel about this maybe it's still too early but it finally feels like we're starting to get that I don't want to say he's the grillish replacement but it's starting to feel like I mean it's felt like this for me for ages like it doesn't really matter anymore with him but it just feels like we're starting to get a player of that caliber again like he's just come on leaps and bounds so quickly yeah, <clears throat> I mean, in terms of like a, a greenish replacement, I, I, I don't think, I don't think that that's probably the right phrase to use. No, because you just cannot replace someone like Jack Greenish, especially where we are at the moment. But I think <clears throat> what it has done is we, we, it's maybe replaced the over reliance that we had on on Greenish, which. At the True. time, was an understandable because of the level of talent he had. You would naturally uh, tailor all your play through him. But now, with Brendia, with the emergence of Ramsey this season, now with Coutinho coming in, I think it is more that we've got various different options. And now he's in his sort of preferred position, and he's and he's got a run of games as well. So I think what's important, which some people maybe don't. Uh, remember or, or think about is he I think he got injured in pre-season mm-hmm. so we never really had a, a pre-season and then the first maybe 10-15 games he was sort of in and out of the team he had the, the issue when he went away with Argentina for international duty and then that to isolate so he missed a few games of that <clears throat> so I think just finally getting a consistent run of games in the team has sort of allowed him to uh, sort of get used to the new surroundings and new players and that. And I think Gerard as well has got a very focused set system. The latter days of the games of Dean Smith, we were sort of chopping and changing constantly, which which didn't allow Brendy or anyone really to sort of gain any consistency. So I think I think all that combined is is now why we're seeing such consistent good performances from him. Yeah, and it's 
I just like how we're really playing him too. And I know you've mentioned that like playing him as that one central attacking midfielder, it's just too much reliance on a player. That's going to take that many risks in my opinion. Now, I mean, Mm. he's taking more risks, but of course he's probably getting more comfortable with the standard and everything like that. Finally. Um, Of course he did play that with Norwich, but Norwich were incredibly poor basically after what, like 10 games a couple seasons ago, really. So what were his chances then? But it's just, it's nice to see that we're not just shoehorning him in and saying, this is going to work. It's working because we're playing to his strengths and that's the best thing. And, whether and th- this is probably the first podcast in forever where we don't have to say walk-ins and ings it doesn't work thank god but that'll be the next thing we have to worry about because of course maybe we can turn on to this now and actually know it might as well what did you make of ollie Watkins today because it- it's tricky with he does so much on the ball and off the ball he did very well defensively came back to his assignment there um there's a few times where his over the top through balls kind of into the nearest corner and holding it up for the rest of his teammates to kind of get into play and bring everything forward but really aside from the chance he had in the first half which was really like kind of a split second decision and you probably say maybe could have done a little bit better just it wasn't his day was it no i mean that first half chance i i think he he should be doing a lot better with that i, I know he he's sort of taking it on the turn which you know, it's not easy to do, but then at the end of the day, he's when he does turn to face up the goal, he's basically sent up the goal seven, eight yards out. I know Pickford's coming down on them quickly, but he should be at least hitting the target with that. I, I was disappointed with him today. And to be fair, I think he's I think he's struggled a bit for the last few weeks. Now, there's been certain games where I think there's mitigating circumstances in terms of him being played out of position for me out wide, that, that that just doesn't work. But I think through the middle, some he can either be brilliant with his holds at play or he'll have a game where it just seems like everything bounces off him. And in terms of like work rate and effort, you can never fault that. Like he, He'll run his socks off for you. But I think, I think this second half of the season, it's almost like maybe a bit of an audition for him. Not in terms of you know, he, oh, he's something that, that you get rid of or anything like that. But I think it's very apparent already um, from just bringing Coutinho and Dina in that Gerard's not here to settle for uh, a mid-table finish. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he he expects high standards, and I don't think he he'll be worried about signing someone to replace a player in that team and. Again, that's, I'm not saying that that's something that necessarily absolutely has to happen. But I think if he doesn't have a, a particularly good second half of the season, obviously we've seen like the links with Luis Suarez, it wouldn't be a surprise if in the summer maybe that, that was an area they looked at. So if you've got players like Buendia, Coutinho, Ramsey, so have got like Leon Bailey to come back in as well. If you've got those players making chances, they need to be finished off. He needs to have someone that, that's going to stick them away. And I think, I th- yeah, I think he could be under a bit of pressure over the next few months. It, it's going to be interesting because I, I do feel bad for him in the sense that when you look at the season so far, he's only really like what, maybe had one or two games in a row where he's played as the sole striker. Maybe even, I don't even know if it's been back-to-back games, to be honest. It's been mm. Ings or him or both, or like, it's just, there's no consistency. And it'd be nice to see what, if they stuck him in for five straight games or something like that to see what he could really do. And 
I don't want to make excuses for him, but even today is a tricky one with everything going on with Everton. You know how cagey it's going to be. And of course, Ings came on, but at that point, you're just kind of holding out and hoping he can stretch the play a little bit to give a little bit kind of alleviation to the the back end of the pitch and Martinez and goal as well, which to be fair, had one save to make all day. And it was literally just a slap of the ball out of nowhere, basically. Um, still a good save nonetheless, but it's so tricky because you look at the squad and I do see some people thinking we should be winning games like this still like three or four or nil, which is fair enough, but also keep in mind, we still have Leon Bailey to come back as well. How does that work? And uh, yeah, we do have, some, right? yeah, we do have some very nice depth. I think Trezeguet will probably go out um, on loan or on a permanent one. He'll come back to be honest if, if uh, it's before the end of the window, but Nonetheless, I guess, Simon, if you're going kind of more so into the second half, as we've touched on it, it's it's really one of those games where you took your chance. Maybe there's a few other chances they weren't really taken. You'd have to say Everton probably had the better of the chances in the second half. I noticed that for me, Konza struggled with uh, Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin doing a lot of interchanging together. But nonetheless, it's a clean sheet. It has to be happy days. And at the end of the day, you're leaving Goodison with three points. So you have to be happy, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I thought Everton were pretty poor in that first half. So you would expect a reaction from them. And I mean, to be fair, yeah, like I said they only had the one shot on target, but that kind of maybe doesn't really tell the full story because some of yeah. the chances they had, they really should have been at least in the target, if not putting some of them away. The Calvert-Lewin one where maybe he was just stretching a bit too much. Um I think Richarlison, the heads that just went over, and I think there was like one or two more. I think it was maybe Yerry Mina had a. Oh, he had like 10 headers. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, like if, if, you know, they got one or two of them on target, then then maybe you could have been in in a bit of trouble. But, you know, if if they're off target, they're off target. So you just sort of get on with it. I, I kind of thought, to be fair, I thought we defended pretty well. I mean, most of their chances just came from constantly putting balls into the box, which UK maybe you could argue crosses should be stopped, but sometimes they were put in from so deep, it's hard to do that. And if you're putting in, say, 20 crosses, you know, you, you think at least sort of five, six, seven of them are going to fall probably to an Everton player. Just statistically, that's going to happen. So, yeah, you have to sort of ride your luck a little bit. But I don't, like you said, obviously it was just the one save that Martinus had to make. I don't really remember them getting into many, like, decent positions from good football or anything to create a chance. It was literally just constantly pumping balls into the box. And in the main, we, we coped with it pretty well. Well, and these are the games that, I feel like last year we were winning. I think of the 1-0 against Leeds, um, the nil-nil draw against Brighton, which, to be honest, I still don't know how we even got a point out of that. Uh, <laughs> fair play to Martinez on that day. Um, but there's so many tight games last season where we were just so resolute at the back. And albeit, of course, you have moments of luck in every game, like like we did today, I'd have to say, with them hoofing it in so much. And we don't really have – I guess we have a decently tall centre-back pairing. But aside from that, there's really no height. And then you throw in the midfield with absolutely zero height as well. You're just kind of asking for bodies to get in the way more so than every, anything. But, um, no, it, it's a really, really pleasing one. But the one thing I do have to and do want to shout out now has to be um, – the play of Matty Cash and I thought Luke Stendinier as well, or Dean, whatever you want to call him. Um, just 
to know that for one, for him to come back to get us in a couple weeks after being sold by then and not letting his nerves get to him, get that assist. That's brilliant. And for Matty cash, I mean, we've seen him do the odd rash tackle. The one that comes to mind is always the Harry Kane penalty. That certainly wasn't a penalty and just things like he could have maybe waited another second or two before he made a a smart decision. But the one that always comes to my mind is the Damari gray one running down the line and he took a heavy touch and he thought, okay, maybe Matty cash is still going to dive in and not risk it. But he waited out and he was a little bit patient and it paid off in the long run for a goal kick. But in particular with those two, what did you make of their games today? Very impressive. Again, I mean, I, I think Cash has probably been one of our better players this season. I, I've seen a few things in the last couple of weeks or so of him uh, getting a bit of criticism on Twitter, which I found really odd, but it's Twitter, isn't it? These things happen. It always seems like there needs to be some player, at least one player, that, that just seems to get abuse for no reason. Uh, I suppose he made a nice change that it wasn't Mings uh, over the last few weeks. But um, no, in terms of today's performance, uh, Cash, very, very good again. Like that Demari Grains and you said there, that's, that's just really clever, smart defending. And uh, yeah, Luke Adina as well. I, I was really impressed with him against United last weekend. And again, for today was excellent. I mean, my, uh, my older brother, he... Like he didn't always uh, watch as much football as, as I tend to do. And he didn't really know too much about Dina before uh, we'd signed him. But I was, I was like saying to him, like, I think we've got a really, really good player here. And yeah, just, just really impressed with him. And it, I, like, I saw like some people at the time when we were signing him saying, oh, I feel a bit sorry for Matt Target. And to some extent, I, I can I can see that because it's, I don't think he's done anything necessarily wrong. But you know, if at the end of the day we finished eleventh last season, like so that that's a mid-table team. If you if you want to improve, you just you need to you need to improve the team constantly. If you get the opportunity to sign someone who's better than what you've already got, like you have to do it. So um, yeah, really really good performances again today. I think Cash though, I think his yellow cards might mean he's suspended. For the Leeds games, I think that was his fifth Ooh. booking of the season. Yeah, I think so, so too. I don't know when that, that resets. Actually, I, I've got a feeling that doesn't reset until like maybe the end of February or beginning maybe. of March time. So, it'd be interesting to see what we do with that. Whether we've decided to to keep Kessler around and give him a a, a game, or would have gone back out and loan because obviously that's in February. So that'll be one to see, but. Um, I think the two of them, the way Gerard wants us playing, it, the fullbacks have to have the energy to go up and down, have to be able to to get up high, and off, often they're sort of the main, the highest player uh, on the pitch, the main outlet, yeah. and the two of them are, are, are really, really good at that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Target here coming up because I don't, to be honest, if Genius stays healthy doesn't get a red card or something brash like that I don't really know where target fits in from here and it'll be interesting to see if um if Kessler Hayden stays uh around as well and uh but you never know we'll wait and see well, if, if well, I was Swindon I'd be pissed though because you're in a promotion <laughs> fight and you probably really could use him right now but anyways yeah well I t- but we well with Kessler obviously he played very well against Man City didn't they uh in in the cup game so he was. I think he was always going to get called back, and I, I think with him, he's 
if if we decide not to keep him and send him back out on loan, I'd suspect they maybe then look to maybe put him to a championship club and just see how he can cope with like just a, a high level up. With Target, I saw I think he was linked uh, with the move to Newcastle like every other player on the planet seems to have been this month. But I I I, I wouldn't be looking to him because you need to have ideally sort of two players in each position available in the squad. You know, uh, I think Gerard was saying as well in the, I think the pre-match press conference that, you know, he, he wants to, us to be a team that goes deep into cup competitions and get back into Europe. And if that's the case, you play a lot more games. So you need to use the squad more. I don't, I don't think that target is someone that you'd maybe, that, that you just sort of cast aside because you know, Dina could get an injury or suspension, or exactly. there might be there might be certain games where you may want to start target at left back because he's maybe a bit more defensively minded than than Dina. Not not that Dina can't defend or isn't a good defender, but he's very he's more of your typical attacking fullback. Whereas I think target defensively is very good. So uh, yeah, you you definitely I, I would personally be be looking to keep him around in the squad. Yeah, and again, it's about building that depth and the quality and depth. Um, to be honest, we're building one heck of a squad here, even with players going out on loan, and we've seen um, some contract extensions, What we'll get to here in a, a few minutes. But let's go over to the uh, Twitter three-word reviews, of course. You can tweet us at 7500 Holt. In the future, of course, every game round, uh, it could be a few minutes or half an hour post-match, usually put out a tweet asking for your three word summaries or reviews. I think there's probably over 40 about now. So thanks to everybody that's got involved. And I'll just read through a few quickly now. Uh, so we have D saying it did all right there. Uh, Russ Cook, huge gritty win. Uh, Nigel WV, good day's work. Uh, let's go to David de Gurnier, uh, free bottle Lucasade. Uh, Michael Rudd, Saltwater Toffees. Uh, Regan says Gerard is king. Mark Green, hard-earned win. Uh, military villain, gritty, determined, solid. Um, let's see here. Paul Flynn, yellow cards elsewhere. Um, Tom Cowley, grit, scrappy, Buendia. And I think there was one more that I wanted to read to finish it off here. Uh, Pete Wilkes shithouse win which i think sums it up very much and i'm very glad to end on that one but uh simon very quickly here could i get uh, your man of the match or who you're giving your match ball to i should say um i think there's there's a couple that, that you could get in there the tv uh, uh screen that i watched on the the commentary that gave it to matty cash who i think you could argue i thought jacob ramsey was Excellent again, continuing his fine form this season. But I'm going to have to go for uh, the little magician, Emmy Brendier. It's not not just for the fantastic goal, but for that first half especially. I, I just thought he was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I'm going to go for Brendier. Fair enough. Um, that's who I gave it to on the player rating. So those are on the site if you guys ever want to go ahead and read those. And just to be a little bit different, to give a little bit more variety. Um, it's a tough one because, to be honest, I thought the midfield was pretty decent today. I like John McGinn's um, crunching tackles that were timed to perfection. You could throw that in as well. Uh, Dougie Louise was very well timed, and some challenges were which were very timely and needed at times as well. Um, 
It is a tricky one. Um, but you know what? I, I, I guess I can't remember who I gave a seven and a half to because I knew I gave an eight and then a seven and a half. And I can't remember who that was, but I'm going to give it to Maddie Cash as well. I think just the option that he can give and just kind of that relief he can give from bombing forward and the defensive duties that he did today. I think it offers more than anything. And there's a few chances um, where I thought the likes of Buendia or Coutinho could have really fed it over to him overlapping on the right when they probably should have and decided not to, but nonetheless, I mean, he's quietly almost becoming that target figure in this year's side where he becomes like the player of the season or the, 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 was it the players player of the season or the fans player of the season target got last year? I can't remember. I think he, got the players player i think yeah so i wouldn't be shocked if that's the case this season with how he's playing but uh good job to everyone and uh long may uh, more victories continue um but simon let's go over to some contract extension news of course it's been a, a busy transfer window for villa of course courtney hawes uh, signing a five-year contract extension and then we saw that man emmy martinez signing one as well until 2027 so um, you have some good depth signing up and our number one star keeper signing up for the long term as uh, term as well, I should say. So for you per se, what does that mean to you? Um, well, initially, obviously, it's just brilliant news. I mean, I, I was pleased to see uh, Courtney House uh, sign that new deal. I, I think it's an interesting one with him because I know I think the club had an option to extend it by a year anyway. <laughs> but I think it's, it's quite interesting that... He, he's actually signed like a much longer one. And I saw the, I don't know, did you see the interview he did on the Villa website? Um, yeah. About, yeah, I, I, I thought it was, it was, it was interesting listening to talking, sort of saying how, how impressed he's been by the conversations he's had with Gerard and what they, yeah, I think, I think he said something like the, the plan that they've put together for me was like really good. And I, I'm not too sure like what that would be, but it's, it's it, I think it it's, it speaks volumes of just how well run and prepared the the coaching staff seem to be with stuff like that. Because obviously he's not had much game time at all, um, but he's sort of he's one of those players that you definitely want in your squad because I think yeah he okay he's he's not as good as as Conzel Mings. I think everyone knows that, but he's pretty reliable player to come in every now and again so yeah I was, I, I was pleased with that and then the Martinez one I mean that obviously just sort of there'd be no talk about that at all and I was delighted to see that and again I watched his interview and he just he just seems like a really nice guy and he comes across really well and he he obviously does have like a I think quite a fondness for the club and he, was, he talked about how you know we've, we've given him the opportunity to, to become a number one, and that's led to him winning uh, a major tournament for his country and being their number one. You know, he's going to go to the World Cup uh, next uh, later on this year, I should say, as the number one goalkeeper for Argentina. In terms of like what it means to the club, obviously, again, he'll have spoken with Gerard and the owners, and I think you from the different things you've heard from different players recently uh, they they must be saying all the right things to these players because they all seem pretty excited about uh the, the next sort of couple of years but if you're sort of then thinking from a like a realistic fans point of view say if in i don't know two seasons time we, we're still not quite getting there into europe 
mm-hmm. then you would think a player of his quality, you know, he'll have suitors. But the fact that he signed that long-term deal, it just means that if he was to leave at any stage in the next three or four years, it's going to cost a team a heck of a lot of money to get him out. When you think Kepper went to Chelsea for 70 million, I mean, you'd be saying, well, put a one in front of that seven first. <laughs> like, oh, if Jesus, you're coming yeah. for Martinez, I mean, he's, for me, I think he's, he's certainly up there as one of the best, if not the best keepers in the league. Um, and so you, you'd say he's, he's probably one of the best keepers around, around Europe at the moment. And the fact that we've got him and he seems to like really love playing for the club. I, I'm just, I'm so happy. He's, he's not, He's not far away from, from, from me being the best keeper that I've seen uh, in, in my time uh, at the club. And obviously, I've seen a few, quite a lot of bad ones, but some very, <laughs> some, some very, very good ones. I mean, Bosnich and Friedel instantly spring to mind, but he's, um, he's getting right up there with them too. He's, he's just so, so good. Still can't believe Arsenal sold him for 16 million. Well, you know, cheapest chips and we'll, we'll make a tidy <laughs> profit if you ever just move on. And just quickly with my thoughts, I think with Courtney Hawes is an interesting one because it almost makes me wonder if you almost had kind of a look around or a second thought to think, you know what, what Premier League offers? Because you would assume he wants to stay in the Premier League. So realistically, where is he going to start? You're probably going to start in a bottom six relegation scrap every season kind of side. Um, rough, roughly around there, you would imagine, if not, maybe have to drop down and prove himself to get back up. And then he'd probably think of the wages and things like that. He's definitely got a little boost there and the situation's good. So he's going to be a bit part player. But again, it's it's having quality bit part players that can do it as well. You'd imagine we're still going to go in for a fourth center back at some point, whether it's this one or the next one. It's all about competition. And then I didn't see Martinez coming, to be honest, because it's he's always been one of those which... I think he does have a great affinity with the club because as you said, we've gave him that real chance on a permanent basis to show what he can do at the level in the league that he wants to be in and everything like that. So I think there's that strong emotional connection and I think it's really paid off in that instance. And like you said, with the, the fee just so cheap, I mean, if you want him, come get him to be honest, because it's going to at least cost you 50, 60 plus million at this rate easily, which is yeah. still ridiculous in my mind for a goalkeeper. But regardless, um, they do save a lot of points. And I, I guess the one bit of inf- or extra information that we can kind of talk about now, uh, now, I don't know what, now, well, I don't know. I just want Scottish <laughs> there or something. I don't even know um, for a second here is, of course, uh, Phil Jean Bidace went out on loan to Stoke City for the rest of the season as well. So, when you look at the the likes of him, which I would say is definitely behind uh, Carney Chequemeca and the pecking order of things, where do you see this kind of loan working out? And do you think it's still a, a valuable asset to kind of hold on? Or do you think this is one of those youngsters where if it doesn't work out, maybe it's not going to work out in the future for the next six months? Um, I'm not sure uh, about that. Just in terms of the loan itself, I think I'll say it's a smart move because he's probably going to struggle to get many minutes, if any at all, with us for the rest of the season. So I think it's it's a good idea because well, he's still only 19, I think. So to give him sort of five, six months playing regular football at a, a decent level would be good just, just to sort of see where he's at. And then maybe then in the summer with a full pre-season, you can sort of reevaluate it. I mean, I think... 
the fact that he's sort of regularly been involved in the match day squads at least. I mean, obviously there's been certain games where we've had to fill it the bench with kids, but I think more often than not, he's tended to be on the bench anyway. So you'd, you'd suggest that they obviously see something in him. So yeah, I think it, for, for that, it's just maybe a case of see how he gets on at Stoke for the rest of the year and, and have a look in, in the summer. Chuck Maker, that's one that, I, I kind of, I really, really hope that he he does between now and the end of the season carry on getting sort of a decent amount of minutes here or there and get a contract signed because I I think if he if he was to end up going I, I think it'd be one of those players that in sort of four or five years time we'd be looking back going how on earth do we do we allow that to happen and I've seen some people sort of saying stuff like oh <clears throat> why should we uh, help develop him with minutes if he's not signing a contract. But it works two ways from his point of view. Why you're not going to sign a, a long-term deal somewhere where you don't feel you're going to be getting any game time there. And, you know, he's he again, he's still so young as well. Only just recently turned 18. So there's time on his side. I've, I've been very impressed with the little cameos I've seen of him. He, he just, he already for me looks like a, fairly comfortable player in the Premier League. He's such a big unit as well. So he can be physical and he, he looks sort of comfortable on the ball. So I think just from the little bits you hear from Gerard sort of talking about him as well, I, I think they they think there's a real real talent there. So hopefully he'll continue to get some minutes and uh and we'll get another out the blue contract announcement on on the uh the Twitter feeds. Well, that'll probably be the best one, to be honest. And I think I just read something before we hopped on here about uh, them wanting to offer John McGinn another uh, contract extension as well and improve his terms and all that kind of stuff. So we're strengthening. And it's nice to see because this is such a far cry from um, Premier League times of old where it was basically sign somebody. Hopefully they just want to stay. Let's not actually do anything about their contract. And okay, well, thanks. And we'll just kind of flutter around. The, the bottom six are into the championship. It's just nice to know that there's actual people behind the scenes kind of foreseeing this and planning ahead. And regardless of it, if it's Steven Gerrard at the helm or whoever, we're covered regardless. And I, I think that's the most important thing is that there's a system in place that can really kind of function um, without that main figurehead being there if something does happen or if a season kind of goes sour. But uh Anyway, Simon, I think we've definitely went on for long enough. It was a 1-0 win. I don't know really what else we could say. <laughs> we'll uh, leave it at that. Hopefully, we'll be back. Um, oh, yes, we have an international break coming up. So, lucky us. Um, we'll have to figure out something to uh, fill that time with. And we'll also have some more stuff coming out on Twitter spaces that we'll try to also put on here um, roughly around the end of the January transfer window. So everyone keep track of that. Uh, go over to, of course, at 7,500 to hold to get any information on that stuff. And of course, uh, interact with us. There's always somebody engaging on that account or usually me, I should say. So uh, have a chat. Why not? I get bored sometimes. But anyways, we'll leave it at that. Um, again, leave a leave a, a nice rating. It's always appreciated. And don't forget uh, the villa. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.